Welcome to Valley Talk. I'm your host, Heather Stark. We're here every Sunday evening and Tuesday evenings at six o'clock for an hour. And we have conversations with everybody from politicians to other talk show hosts. And um, this week, I'm really kind of excited about this. I'm, I'm not sure where this conversation is going to go. So I'll be listening right along with our, our regular listeners and learning, hopefully, from uh, Bronte and Candy Austin. They're a mother-daughter team here locally, and they started Girly Girl Greens. Love that. On your website, you have an explanation for how you picked that. And you want to, Candy, do you want to talk about how you picked that name? Well, actually, I think it was my daughter who thought of it. The one, not her, but the one of my older daughters thought of it because she's the one that started us out financially as well as helping us understand what we were going to do if we really wanted to be part of this. And so she's the one who came up with Girly Girl Greens. We actually, the three of us did, but she had a base of Girly Greens, Girly Girl Greens, whatever. And she said, you know, Girly Girl Greens is kind of cool because microgreens are little tiny things, you know? And so we call them Girly Girl Greens. And then we have eight daughters and at first we had the motto, a mom, eight daughters and a farm. So that's how we started. And then we changed the name later because everybody moved away to other areas. And we just decided, I think it was, was it your idea to do? Yeah, we kind of worked on it together. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's where we are now with well, let's um, the new back motto. up a little bit to the eight okay. daughters. And I yeah. think there are a couple of, of men in there too, right? Yeah, three boys. <laughs> so that's that's a large family. Yeah, yeah is it a very. blended family or no, no. Wow. My husband, and I, my husband and I wanted to be able to have, you know, I wanted to have a lot of more kids. I mean, more not more than eleven. But he was happy with six. He said, "I don't think we should go past six, But that didn't work out. And I said, "Oh well." And he said, "Yeah, oh well." <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, I don't I don't think we had more than 10 at home at once because the oldest one was old enough to marry when she left mm -hmm. so that's okay though now they're all married well not all they have kids and we're expecting our first great-grandchild so oh wow great you are not possibly old enough for that um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so well I, you know having a three-year-old grandchild my my only it it and of course, you know, this is a grandmother, you, you just keep your mouth shut, you know, I mean, it's not your business, what, you know, yes. how many kids they decide to have or anything. Yes. Um, right. But sometimes I gotta say, I do have a little groove in my tongue from biting it. So I don't, <laughs> pop out uh, but you know, they're, they're the, the, the baby, the baby is uh, three years old now. And oh, so I, I'm getting questioned by her mother, my daughter's mother-in-law. Do you know if they're planning on having another one? I'm going, ah. <laughs> Don't ask me. <laughs> Even if I did know, I wouldn't tell you. That's no. not what I have to do, you know? No. Uh, exactly. But at the same time, I'm thinking, well, come on. Just <laughs> one more. Yeah, come on. <laughs> oh, so maybe cute. I'll just have her come and spend about a, a week and a half with you guys. And maybe it'll oh, be. Yeah. Like, there you go. <laughs> maybe we can go one more out of that lot. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Get all the family up here and say, come yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know get, get her in the mood again or something you know? exactly. um, but you know it's funny because she goes well it's not that that hard a she said it's not that easy a decision and I said well honey a, a very wise friend of mine once said who was a dentist 
there's never a good time to have a root canal, buy a house, or have a baby. So if you're waiting for the right time, you got a long wait. <laughs> yep, exactly. So we just popped them out every couple of years. So. Yeah. It's just kind of habitual. Yeah, it's a baby. Yeah. Bronte's the baby. Yeah. Well, did the whole, you started out by saying that the whole family, at least the girls, uh, well, we should pay at least some lip service to the boys. You have some boys, right? Four? Yeah, three boys, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And are they interested in farming or is this just the... Uh, not really. I'd say this is kind of more of what a couple of us girls are more into. So yeah. everybody, you know, has their own um, things they like to do or, or things they're just already doing. So not everyone can take the time to do something like this, even if they wanted to. Yeah. Like um, my sister, Elise, who had the idea for this originally she wanted to be a lot more involved but she couldn't because of her real estate work so she's supporting us in the background kind of right now so that's always fun to hear what she says but uh no i'd say mostly right now we're the ones concentrating on the work oh very good well and you're doing a crackerjack job of it tell <laughs> me a little bit um uh, bronte about girly girl greens what's the idea behind it and how did you select the microgreens to focus on? So the microgreens really were the very first thing uh, that we were intending to ever sell. And actually, we, are, we never planned to do anything other than microgreens. Uh, Elise was telling us about, you know, microgreens in, in back in 2016 is about when this was happening. And she said, uh, they're becoming really popular in restaurants. And, you know, the chefs are really liking these. And, I had never heard of a microgreen. I didn't know what it was. And when she showed us what she had grown, I thought, wow, these are really cool. And they were just starting to gain a lot of popularity mm -hmm. back then. So there was less information on them than there is now. And so mm -hmm. when she got us started, uh, we had this, you know, all kinds of things going in our minds, like, what can we do here? What can we do there? But it came down to, we wanted to be local and we wanted to be fresh and we wanted to give extremely high quality. So the reason we chose to do uncut microgreens was to keep that really high quality. Um, most microgreens are cut and packaged and they can last, they can be fine that way. But as soon as you cut microgreens, they start deteriorating. So the longer they're sit in the fridge mm -hmm. or whatever, they are less flavorful and not as good as they were at their peak. Mm -hmm. So we went around that by selling only live ones that were uncut. And that was a big plus with the chefs because they were like, wow, this is, you know, amazing. And it's fantastic. So yeah. And two, our daughter, Elise, and one of my, uh, her sister, my other daughter, Bethany, went around Seattle and started talking to chefs about them, taking samples in. And several of them were getting hydroponic or not to cut hydroponic. I'm just saying they were getting that and um, they wanted something that they just wanted to see what the difference was. So she brought some in uh, the second time she went into one of the restaurants and said, uh, we want you to try this, Joe. So he said, OK. And he went, oh, my. He said, I want those. And so we knew that there was a difference then. And they also... Um, what was the other thing? Yeah, we've gone into several of the restaurants now. Um, and we're in some, I don't know if you've heard of Ascend in Bellevue, but we're in there. Mm -hmm. It's a very high class one. And during COVID, that was kind of shifted. I like the way you prefaced that by saying, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Yeah. Um, 
it's very high class. Yeah, I think you pretty much begged me. Yeah. yeah. I get yeah. that. Yeah. That's okay. No cutting down, but a lot of people don't. I mean, there's several people who don't know about it, but we've been there and uh, we've eaten there, and it is a very high class, very beautiful place. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the actual yeah. growing of them. I yeah. always buy the head of butter lettuce from the, if I have to go to the grocery store that has the ball of dirt and the root ball yeah. in there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I always do because if I buy one of those bagged lettuces, you know, three days later, it's slimy mm -hmm. and yeah. I don't eat it that fast. Right. Um, and I have a friend and, and, you know, buying this stuff at Costco. Are you kidding me? I have a friend who um, always buys the, her greens at Costco She's a single woman. And I said, how much do you eat every day? And she said, well, what I do is when I go to Costco, I take it out of the bag, I spread paper towels out and I, I wash them and then I dry them and then I put them on the paper towels in one layer. Then I put another paper towel on one layer. Then I keep doing that until all of the greens from the huge, gigantic, you know, 45 yeah. gallon yeah. bag of, of greens yeah. from Costco are layered, single layers between these paper towels, which I'm sure has to be at least a foot tall. Yeah. And she said, and then she puts it in a Ziploc and that it lasts forever. And I'm thinking that it may not get slimy, but I cannot believe that you can keep a bag of greens for two weeks, um, even if you can keep it from getting slimy, yeah. where it's well, the flavor, the flavor or even yeah. the same nutrients in it. Yes, exactly. Because I, it does start deteriorating after it's cut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yet you have people who are doing all of these things. And I think this is, you know, wow. I but just don't know. A lot of people don't know about these things. I mean, we didn't either. No. So they, that's why we want to inform people how good it is to have something straight off the farm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when am I going to be able to buy the microgreens in the grocery stores? Are there any grocery stores carrying it? So we actually decided not to go that route simply because it's very hard to sell living microgreens um, at their peak in a store, uh, considering how much care they take, you know, to deliver it to a home and you can take care of it pretty easily. It's not complicated, but in a store, they get ignored a lot. And even if they were to sell, you know, there's no guarantee that they'd really be taken care of properly. So we thought, no, let's not go that route. Let's just go direct to the consumer. We're trying to stay local and direct as much as possible. Okay. You're kind of making me feel like you're taking this idea of baby greens a little bit too literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're my babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, so we're going to talk about how you market later. Um, mm -hmm. But the fact that they're not available in grocery stores, they are available in some restaurants. On your website, does it list what restaurants use the your microgreens? You know, I haven't done that yet. Uh, we really just started working with restaurants again this year. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's probably coming, you know, when I can get to changing that. But I also kind of feel like if I say where we are, it feels a little bit like flaunting ourselves. So I'm not sure I really want to do well, that. Well, I would think that they would have to there would be compensation for putting the name of the restaurant there, but I don't think it would just be a moneymaker thing because people would like to know. I mean, if I had a choice between restaurant A and restaurant B and I know restaurant B has fresh local microgreens, I'd go to B. 
Yeah. yeah. So it might well, be I will I will have to add that onto my website then. Okay. And so when you develop that new revenue stream, I will only take 10-15% for the end. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> or just or just a box of microgreens about once every other week. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> know. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So let's talk microgreens. What are microgreens? I mean, there's a lot of vegetables that when they're all grown up. They look very different and they taste very different. But when they are still these little baby microgreens, they don't look that different, really. Um, and yet they are different. I mean, sometimes they have different colors, green and more reddish and blah, blah, blah. But what are microgreens? So you can think of it as the seedling of the miniature version of a full-size vegetable. So if you take arugula, for instance, and there's what people call sprouts. There's off, they're often confused with microgreens because sprouts are grown in a jar in water and they're not just here. I still grow my micro, my, my, you know, yeah. Yeah. In a jar yeah. Yeah. and so sprouts are good. There's nothing wrong with those, but if you're going for microgreens, you're going to be in soil and you're going to be growing them past just the sprouting stage to where they actually get their first leaves, which is called the cotyledon. And then depending on the green, they can go to a set of true leaves. So they start to look a little bit more like their full-size counterparts. But either way, you have way more nutrients condensed into this little microgreen than you would in the full-size vegetable. So it's kind of like an egg. I mean, an egg has to have a lot of nutrition to grow the animal. It's right. the same way with vegetation that those yes. those little sprouts, those little cotyledons have to have stuff to nourish the plant as yeah. it's, as it's growing. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, we grow some to full uh, true leaf and they look very beautiful and chefs like those a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but um, a lot of them are just at the very beginning of true leaf stage mm -hmm. or still at the cotyledon stage. So. You know, it just depends. The, the flavor is very good um, mm -hmm. on either, as long as we maintain them well and we're, you know, taking care of them. Okay. When I'm doing my sprouting, I have a choice of what I want to sprout: radish or mung beans or alfalfa. Right. Um, are the microgreens specific plants, or do you have do you use a variety as well? So we grow a lot of different kinds, but yeah, they are specific. Um, we have like, for instance, uh, purple kohlrabi, and then, you know, you have a different one over here of red cabbage. So they, they kind of look similar, especially in the beginning, um, but you see more differences as they grow. And then the flavor is always different in each microgreen, even if they're similar. So with like radish, you get a lot of spice and that's really fun to do. Um, the fun part also is colors because uh, the cooler temperatures also enhance color. So you can get like purple radishes and you can have daikon radishes, which are really green. Um, and you can mix those together even to grow in the same thing. So yeah. And we have also mixed like chard that has yellow stem with beets. And that looks really pretty. And some people go, oh, that looks great, you know, or they just want beets. So it all depends on their taste, but we give them a choice because we don't mix all of them, but we do have some mixes that are really pretty. And it, it adds to the, you know, it adds to the plate. Like, so do you do you grow them all in separate containers or do you mix the nope. seeds that are in each? Yeah, little five by five trays that fit in a um, 10 by 20 flat. And then we water them from the bottom because they have micro mesh 
on the bottom and we just water them that way. So the only and, time we would be mixing would be if um, like I wanted oh, yeah. two different kinds of radishes in the same one. So we could do that. Yeah. So yeah, we are very specific. Have, yeah. Yes. So you can, you know, you can switch them around. Like if the chefs want to have four of one thing and four of another, we'll do that for them. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned beets and radish and I, and I'll be honest with you, you would never be able to get me to eat a radish sprout <laughs> or a radish uh, microgreen. I just don't yep. like the, the flavor of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but all of the others you mentioned, you didn't mention anything like alfalfa or anything like that. So what are some of the other things that you make turn? What are some of the other seeds you turn into microgreens? You can do almost anything as a microgreen. Mm -hmm. uh, the flavor might be interesting. Sometimes some of the herbs, like uh, actually we tried clover and it was kind of different. Uh, but most of the time, yeah, you can grow alfalfa. You can even grow carrots. You can grow spinach. I mean, anything. We do broccoli. Uh, broccoli kale, and mizuna is a big mizuna. one. Um, Pea shoots, sunflower oh, shoots, those sunflower kinds of things. Sunflower shoots, uh, you name yeah. it, almost anything. We yeah. grow cabbage shoots and... You know, when I was a kid and we had a huge garden, we would have like a half acre garden every year. And we, we did, we were very old school. So we did the canning and the freezing and all that stuff yeah. on our um, But when you had when it, you know when you spread out those carrot seeds or whatever and then they start to come up and you have to thin them out we never threw that away we washed it up and that was you know something that we ate as a vegetable and i've encountered people who are if i happen to mention that they're just kind of like shocked like <laughs> eating these little you know sprouts of <laughs> you know uh, but i should i just feel very very trendy and on point here now i just really yeah. do yeah <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, and the flavor is phenomenal, really. And we yes. found, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the nutrition, like she mentioned, it could be up to fifty times more nutritious than the full-grown thing. So you're yeah. getting a lot in a little, a yeah. lot of nutrients in a, in a little package. Well, and of course, you never have to worry too much about calories and all that stuff in in greens anyway. But still, yeah. you're you're getting a tiny little amount, yeah. but you're getting as you know all of yeah. the, all of these benefits of you know that. Costco 45 pound bag, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how do you decide uh, if you're going to try something new or um, do you pretty much have your, your biggest your consideration down at this point or are you always looking for something new? Yeah, we experimented a lot in the beginning, trying different greens and trying to see what was the most popular. So I'd say right now um, we're not looking into too much that's new, but the biggest consideration for us if we want to try anything is, is this going to be something that either chefs would want or somebody in a home delivery would want? So that's the biggest factor. Chefs are looking for a really good flavor or beautiful color or both. And so if you don't have either of those things, then, well, you're not going to likely sell it to a restaurant. So we might grow something like broccoli is not the most common for a restaurant. They might get some, they might not. But somebody at home loves broccoli and wants a whole, you know, four blocks of it. So that's the biggest factor to determine. How many restaurants are you are you selling to on a routine basis now? Right now. So right now we are just up to four. We used to be a lot more before COVID, but uh, we're getting back into it. So now we're back to four. I was reading on your website about the impact COVID had not only in your business in general, but in impacting where you went with your business. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how COVID changed your marketing and your, your targeting. 
Yeah. So it was, and everybody got affected by the lockdowns, of course. And uh, the restaurants were pretty much shut down at at that point. And Mm -hmm. we actually quit delivering entirely to restaurants. Uh, And we lost a lot. Yeah, we We lost a lot of um, greens because we couldn't place them all. There were so many. But we told people we got some come get them because (laughs) they have to be eaten and we can't eat them all. And so um, without the restaurants, you know, because we had been doing that for a few years at that point and so we were kind of like well what do we do now you know and then we thought well the community is important so let's help people around us get really nutritious food and then we also decided besides just microgreens let's grow you know lettuce and kale and some of these other greens that are common that people would use you know like salad mixes root vegetables and we thought well we can help out and especially when the lockdowns were first going on there was more uh scarcity too of things and people were so grateful to have an option like that yeah and now we have the you know looming food shortages coming up so we're really thinking about that and helping the community too because we've had people say we can't find good lettuce in the store please you know we'd like it and so it's, and we understand. even without the shortages, the costs of things, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're just yeah. outrageous. Yeah, they are. Tell us yeah. about it. Yeah. And that's another reason we like to be direct with um, sales is that we can, you know, you're not marking up in a store. So it's easier to sell at the real value of the mm-hmm. green and helps other people too. Yeah. We live in a culture of middlemen. I mean, yeah, yeah we you do. Know, producers or manufacturers and consumers they're kind of irrelevant to the whole middleman process. That's where the money is. That's where the selling is. That's where the, you know, everything is. And as a person who's older than dirt, and I remember a time when that wasn't so prevalent, it's kind of a shame, I think. think It is very much a shame. I know it's such a necessity, you know, it's a basic need. And it's just not right that people are doing that, inflating all this stuff, because people need this food. Exactly. Not everybody's rich, that they can just spend what they want on food either. Yeah, I know, you know, I, I was talking again with my daughter and, and I have more than one one child, but she's the one that I was just at her house because she had birthdays. Um, she and her son both had a birthday, but um, we were talking over the weekend and talking about how our habits going into a store. She used to do a lot with the home delivery of groceries, um, which... Um, I always thought was a bit excessive and wasteful. Um, then she found a, 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 one of those imperfect foods. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was a little bit more reasonable, but still pretty pricey. Yeah. And then yeah, she just yeah. gave that up. And the convenience wasn't worth it because the price was so high. Yeah. And so then she started going to grocery stores. But then when you go to the grocery stores, it's an outrageous price. Plus, you're not getting it fresh. You're not getting, you know, and the shelves are starting to be empty in a lot of, in a lot of ways. So I yeah, think, you know, I think that a lot of us are in for um, uh, some major adjustments yeah. in our shopping and, and grocery uh, habits, yeah, yeah. I think that through necessity. Let's, I want to talk about marketing, but I want to go to the break first. And there's a couple questions I have before that. You said that the whole family kind of helps but you two are, are carrying the bulk of the, of the direction. Um, how do you see your business structure? Oh, I think we could describe ourselves as being um, a local supplier is how I would think best of, is to describe it because we, 
produce something people can use. And so uh, we're not about, you know, we're not a corporation. Uh, we are an LLC by, you know, legal definition for the state. But I don't think of us that way because we're a farm. And so I think of us as we work with the land to produce something beneficial that people can use, or we teach other people how to do the same thing. So I, I think it's important to recognize our role that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And we talked about how COVID changed kind of your business model. Are you thinking of changing back or is this a good place for you? Um, I think what we want to do is kind of hybridize everything. Uh, before we were totally focused on the restaurants and that's all we did. And, you know, we were doing so many greens and restaurants and it, it got to be a lot actually after a while. Uh, but then when we were forced to reevaluate everything, we thought, okay, let's not just focus on one stream of things. Mm -hmm. Let's do, you know, help the community. Uh, now we're back in the restaurants. Okay. So we can do both of those, but also the teaching aspect. So, uh, helping people, because a lot of people are trying to grow their own food and they need help to do it in the beginning, especially. So we thought, well, let's combine all three of those, you know, in a reasonable mm -hmm. way. And then we're not just one or the other. Well, and then you also, you know, are covering your bases if something it turns in one of those industries. Exactly. So talking about the education, how, how are you educating people? So this is where we've been writing a blog. Uh, we just started this year with that, getting interested in how to uh, reach the most people. We are on Instagram and we share videos with like how we're doing something or maybe a certain product we use. Uh, that sort of thing. We have plans to do a YouTube channel, which hasn't happened yet because this is the busy season of the farm. So everything is kind of yeah. taken up with that, but we plan to do that. And mostly it's just a free sharing of knowledge. And the biggest knowledge we're trying to teach people is about the soil and how, what kind of, what you should do with your soil or not do, um, because we're no-till, um, we have a lot of raised bed boxes, but you can do the same thing with that. And a lot of people are doing that that don't have room for a lot of other things to do and they're more protected, but that's what we're trying to do. We're really concentrating on soil right now and how they can get that kind of regenerative soil that they can just keep regenerating. And that's the name of your blog, From the Soil Up? Right. Uh, who came up with that name? Uh, I think we kind of both did it together. We were thinking about how can we bring out the emphasis on the soil without taking, you know, something too traditional. So yeah, it's not because, because I was going to say, you know, having raised a girl and the girly girl thing, how about, you know, and having raised a boy, how about, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. the dirt, dirty dirt, dirt. Uh, <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> just, yeah. to, just try to help. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you talk about uh, the raised beds. Do you use raised beds? Yes, we have always focused on raised beds because we got better control over our soil. Mm -hmm. um, what we're learning now has mm -hmm. actually improved our knowledge a lot. So we're realizing a lot of the same practices can be applied in ground, but mm -hmm. that's a whole other topic. I better not get too going on that. Mm -hmm. But the raised beds are very useful to us because uh, here where we are, you know, we can't control the weather, especially when it gets really rainy. Mm -hmm. And we have them covered in framed uh, hoop house, greenhouse type yeah. structures. And so we can have control over, you know, how much water they get. Uh, we can roll up the sides if it's too warm or we can roll it down in the winter. That's 
been a saving factor for us. So that's why we promote raised beds a lot. Mm -hmm. What about vermin? We don't have that many actually where we are. Um, we have cats, which probably help keep down some of that mm -hmm. around the farm. Uh, we actually don't have anything get into our greenhouses. We have, mm -hmm. you know, chicken wire around the end edges. So maybe that's helpful. And it's airy away. too, but slugs is the one thing we have to beat off all the time. But we're finding now what the role of slugs is in our study of soil, but we still don't want them eating our cabbage. So, yeah. <laughs> so what is the role of a slug? Because, you know, I've had people say, you know, uh, that that everything is created for a purpose and i'm going yes. yeah i'll buy that on everything except the slugs you know yeah exactly yeah well we're reading the book right now that was put out by a couple of what are they doctors doctors and it's called um what is it called teeming with microbes yeah and the first part of the book is all scientific and some people don't want to wade through that but it really isn't that hard it explains what the role of everything is and then it gets into the soil after that and how you can make your soil work for you in spite of these things and they explain what you can do but we haven't gotten to that part yet we just finished the scientific part so, so <laughs> well, basic... when you find out what the real purpose i mean i know that they do something but there's plenty of other things that do that that aren't nearly as nasty yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. and we don't have that many press problems because our soil is healthy yeah. and so everything works together when it's healthy. And when we do see a few aphids or something like that, it's not very many, um, you know, we just go out there and kind of pull them off and just, it's just not that invasive. How long does it take you from, okay, you plant the seed and then two days later, a microgreen pops up and a week later you're marketing or how, what's the time cycle? So it varies a little bit, depending. Uh, they can sprout pretty quickly. It takes about a couple of days usually. Uh, and then they go under lights. We grow those indoors. Those aren't grown outside. So microgreens for a home delivery, you, we don't go over 10 days because they just tend to get a little too big. But for restaurants, we go generally two to three weeks before they're at the right stage for them to oh, use. Oh, really? Yes. That's where the true leaves come in the most. The color deepens a lot over that time. Uh, they can develop a lot of strength and then you get this gorgeous flat and, and it's just amazing yeah. yeah we plant in deeper soil for those too um in our in our boxes we have the short ones and then we have the taller ones for the ones that have to have more room to grow you know longer hmm. um but the i would imagine there's a distinct difference in the flavor between the ones that you'd use for home delivery the the ones that are a week old as opposed to the ones that are three weeks old so actually, no, um, if we keep the soil healthy enough, they can maintain their flavor and freshness for quite a while. Uh, it's after you get past like a month, then it starts mm -hmm. deteriorating a little only because you have a lot crowded into that mm -hmm. and it would lose a lot of the nutrition. So we might supplement one of the three week old greens with something like um, a fish and kelp fertilizer in the water and then give it to that once and it gives it a little boost to keep it going while the restaurants have it. Okay. We're going to take a little break here so we can do some business. But when we come back, I want to ask you um, how you learned all this stuff. How, how did you educate yourselves to do this? Was it okay. a while there or did, you know, you mentioned some books? We're, let's talk about that when we come back.
You're listening to Valley Talk, and I'm talking with Bronte and Candy Austin, owners of Girly Girl Greens, and we're talking about greens and sprouting things and microgreens and plants and eating and nutrition and all sorts of good stuff. So that's right here on Valley Talk. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Valley 104.9, your station for Valley Talk and information. What's going on in the Valley? What's going on in our state? What's going on in our country? Whatever it is, we're going to be talking about it right here on Valley Talk on Valley 104.9 FM. I'm your host, Heather Stark. Join me Sundays at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 6 p.m. for Valley Talk. Hi. I'm Seth Shostak, and I'm an actual scientist, although I don't wear a white lab coat. Maybe a straitjacket. I'm Molly Bentley. I'm a science journalist, and we are your hosts on Big Picture Science, bringing you the latest from the labs every week. So join us Thursdays at 6 p.m. for the coolest in science and technology, Big Picture Science. That's Thursdays at 6 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9 FM. Hi, everybody. This is Jay Fisk, host of Keeping Track of Giving Back in the Valley. We're the show that's on every week, and we talk about nonprofits that help all of us who live, work, and play here in the fabulous Snoqualmie Valley. You can catch us at 5.30 p.m. on Sunday, and then we do an encore presentation on Monday at 6.30 p.m. That's 5.30 Sunday evening and 6.30 on Monday for Keeping Track of Giving Back in the Valley right here on Valley 104.9 FM. Welcome back to Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark. With me is Bronte, R. Bronte and Candy Austin, owners and farmers at Girly Girl Greens. Um, we were talking before about the timing and the time span uh, for planting the greens. How did you learn all this? So a lot of it was trial and error. <laughs> I will admit that right now. Um, when we first started growing, Elise, my sister who had the idea, brought some books and back then uh there was less information on the internet like right now online you could look up microgreens and find an explosion of articles about it back then you couldn't do that so much in 2016 so we were reading books and trying different things uh not everything worked for us probably because you know every climate every place you grow is a little bit different every environment so we had some spectacular failures and some very frustrating things happened in the beginning and we had to experiment. Like what? Like what? Well, like we tried some different soils for the microgreens because there's a lot of debate over soil for microgreens. And so we we're like, well, let's try this one. And mm. it was too sandy. And so it all fell apart and they were terrible. <laughs> they they just, didn't look too good either. No, we couldn't even give those to anybody. <laughs> So uh, that, and then we also ran into a lot of watering issues. Like, you know, we would be so worried about giving it enough water that we waterlogged it and then they'd rot and that wasn't good either. <laughs> that was bad. We also crowded a lot of seeds, remember? Yeah, in the first beginning, we didn't know how many seeds to put in. So they say to crowd them in. So we covered the whole flat of the <laughs> seeds. Sorry. And they, they came up and they looked, we went, oh, goody. And then all of a sudden when they got bigger, it was like, and we're like, uh-oh, <laughs> they can't even get the water to them. So we went, oh no. But some things don't mind being a little bit crowded. So we had to learn that too. And, but now we know what we're doing. 
It was scary in the beginning because working with the restaurants, when we finally did get it down to the point where it was pretty good, we were working with these chefs and they're depending on you to bring this great flat. And if you, you know, when you're cutting microgreens, you can have a little bit of room there for error because you can be like, well, I'm just not going to cut that section, right? But if you're giving it to the chefs, you have to have a live flat with everything looking good. And we were pretty worried about some of those because we were like, I hope this works, you they, know? They bore with us though. Yeah, they, they did. They really did. I, I, uh, we, we got there in the end. So we yeah. had to learn the, the balance of everything. And that took a good year before we finally felt like, okay, we, we know what we're doing mostly. Yeah. <laughs> and then refining over the second year, like how can we make this better? And so it, it's one of those things you just laugh about now, yeah. but it we was hard back that. then. Yeah. We put, and what was the other thing you said you wanted? How, oh, and also we, after a while, when we were starting to do better with all the failures and everything, I decided it was time to start researching and I researched <laughs> a lot. So I did all the research and uh, looked up things, got opinions from other seasoned gardeners. And then um, it just exploded from there. I, I still do research. Um, there's always room for improvement. Um, like we're talking about the soil now. And so in the world of agriculture is exploding with information, learning new things about what lies beneath us, you know, in that soil. And there are ways of really improving your crops and the yields. So that's where I'm at now. And we're doing that. When you harvest, I, I think I'm pretty sure about this with the microgreens, you cut them, right? But why can't you eat the root as well? Why can't you just rinse that dirt off and use the whole plant? Well, you could actually, yeah. if you wanted to. Uh, we always, when we deliver it, uh, you know, obviously in a restaurant, they're not gonna use the root, but they'll take the best part that they want, particularly the upper. Um, anyone at home using them, they could do, they could cut it down way to the soil level, you know, and you can get but, a lot yeah. of value. But you could, you could eat it. You could pull it out and rinse them off and eat the roots because roots are good for you. And yeah. we've actually done that. But ourselves. a lot of people would go, <laughs> ew, you know, they don't understand that the root is edible. And um, we have a neighbor who grows herbs and she's the one who told us about roots and the, the value in roots. And so we started looking into that a little and now we're, we're heading kind of that way for ourselves. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I, one of my interests is not wasting parts of plants. Yeah. And so I make a wonderful carrot top salad dressing. It's just really good. You know, oh, we, really? Yeah. Yeah. And you can use that. And I use carrot tops. If I'm lucky enough to get them, oftentimes you can't get the tops mm -hmm. anymore. If you buy just in the grocery store, they're usually yeah. cutting off the tops. Oh, yeah. um, which is quite a waste. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they're not marketing them. I, I'm yeah. sure they're just putting them, you know, disposing of them. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I always recommend getting the carrots with the tops on them, um, mm -hmm. unless it's cost a fortune. Um, but yeah, I mean, I use those carrot tops. You can use them like uh, as a garnish. You can use them anywhere you would use like parsley or, yeah. you know, something like that. And um, yeah, they're very they, good. They are I'd like good. to get that recipe for the carrot top <laughs> they are good. The other thing that I do is when I make, when I cook, you know, like with uh, a mirepoix, which is the onions and the, you know, or potato skins or whatever, just throw all of that, those peeling. I mean, wash the plant before you peel it, right. but then just put it in a pot, boil it down and make vegetable stock for soup. Yeah. I mean, it's just wonderful. I, I, I do that, I just, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just one of my passions to use it up. You know, and yeah. I always, uh, 
I, I remember when I was younger and, and a friend of mine, I'd made a chicken soup. And to me, a chicken is something that feeds a family of four for about a week. And when you get down to the bones, then you boil those bones and you make chicken stock and mm-hmm. make chicken soup and, you know, and I had made chicken soup and I gave her some, she said it was really good. And she wanted the recipe. Well, I didn't know anybody really needed a recipe for chicken soup, but you know, so I, I told her what was in it. And about a week later I saw her and she said, well, uh, it was a little expensive to do that. And I said, really? And she said, well, yes, because the butcher charged her for taking the breast meat off the bone. And I went, you went to a butcher and you bought chicken breasts. <laughs> I think you're missing the point here. Um, so, you know, a lot of people don't have the same uh, appreciation for food and using it all up that, that, you know, other people have. But I, when you were talking about education, I'm assuming that you are also educating people about what parts of the plants you can use. Yeah, we're, we're, just, we're just now um, getting into that avenue because we learned about that recently only ourselves. So yeah, we're just getting into that avenue now. Yeah. So we'll be probably doing articles on that on the blog. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Um, I used to make cheese. One of those earth mothers, you know, yeah, <laughs> my, my adult children say, say that they used to get so upset with me because they never had anything in their lunch boxes that they could trade. Nobody wanted anything they had. Yeah, there were no <laughs> chips. There were no, you know, <laughs> the earth mother stuff, and, you know, but um, I, I've since loosened up a, quite a bit on that. But um I think there's so much, I think food is fascinating and I think kitchen science is fascinating, you know, um, you know, the canning and the preserving and all that kind of stuff with your microgreens, you mentioned beets. Well, let me back up a little bit. What happens if you have some trays of microgreens and it's not going to market yet? and they get big, do you just dispose of them? Or what do you do with the- well, We give them to our chickens usually. <laughs> Perfect. We yeah. do try to uh, share them, like if they're not gonna be sold and we just have extra, yeah. we try to share them with family or friends so they don't go to waste. Yeah. Um, but if we end up with an excess amount, sometimes we do. Uh, either the chickens eat them or we, we will put them it. in the compost and let them be reused. So yeah. everything has a place. The more we've learned about the soil and the soil food web, the more you realize there is no waste in the agricultural natural world. Yeah. So we try to reuse it as much as we can and, and keep adding on to those nutrients. Mm-hmm. Now I know, and I do this a lot, you know, the potatoes or the, the sweet potatoes and st- I just stick them in pots of soil in my kitchen uh, you know, and let them start growing again. Yeah. Um, and I'll do that sometimes with, you know, the onion tops or whatever. And I use them mostly like house plants. I'm not really cultivating them, but it always astonishes me how I can take that root ball from my lettuce and just mm-hmm. pop that in some water. And in three weeks, I've got little lettuce leaves growing there. And I keep wondering how long will that do that? And if you're doing that, I mean, how can you just have the same root ball forever? You know, I know, I mean, I know. <laughs> just keep ripping the leaves off. Are we going to create and... a monster here? Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but with the microgreens, once if they're cut off and you still have the root in the soil, will it try to create new leaves or? It can, yeah. yeah. It takes a little bit longer than the first crop would. 
Uh, so I've had people actually take a block and after they've cut it, they kept it and grown some more for a second crop. And sometimes they even plant it outside and that can work. Mm -hmm. um, the hard part with that is you're using up more of the nutrients in the soil. It's really designed to be used for a short period of time. It's not like in a garden bed where you'd have a lot more nutrition. Mm -hmm. So it might not work as well unless you transplanted it outside. Yeah. So you can get a lot of servings out of out of one yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of times we cut our lettuce down to a little bit above the soil, like an inch or so, and it grows back yeah. and it keeps growing back. But after a while, you have to make sure that the nutrients aren't being overly used in that one particular area because everything takes something different. Mm -hmm. So like I said, we're still in the learning stages of that. So yeah. it's a long haul. Yeah, that's wonderful. So yeah. in what, two years, you're going to offer summer camps for kids to teach them? <laughs> there we we will see. <laughs> it's, it's interesting to learn. And I think it's important never to think you know everything. Um, because a couple of years ago, we thought we were there. We thought, oh, well, we know how to use soil. We know how to do this. And let's grow this and we have no problems. Or, or we'll just add this. And then our research yeah. took us into a new avenues, like with the what we're learning about the soil web now. Um, so it's it's just fascinating it is it absolutely is and i i love it when children can see things growing and and understand yeah. you know that you don't just throw out a seed and yeah you know magic happens you know <laughs> i guess it can on occasion but you know it, it's uh it usually takes a lot more than just throwing out a seed unless you want yeah. to feed the slugs or you know yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway, that's well, a good idea. Maybe we should start a slug box. Yeah. You know, as a trap. Yeah, track. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, <laughs> don't they do that with beer? Where they put that? Yeah, that can, but that sort of works. It actually kills them, and I know people don't care if they kill slugs, but we try not to kill anything. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, that's I have a lot. Really I would be happy to donate to you if you. <laughs> Yeah. We'll, we'll release them in the woods. Yeah. Well, that's my problem. I live in the woods. So yeah, yeah we do too. Yeah, I, I live in slug heaven right here. You know? Oh yeah. The I woods walk. is a great place though. It's a very di it's very diverse. It's great. It's oh, yeah. great for your health and everything. So now I earlier um uh, a couple of weeks ago I did an interview with a person from the King County Noxious Weed program. Oh yeah. And we, know we talked all about a lot of the weeds, um, you know, uh, the, the non-native plants, et cetera. What part do weeds play in your farming? So, yeah, that's interesting too. Uh, we've learned that weeds, certain kinds of weeds in your specific ground can tell you what is going on in your soil. So it can mean something is deficient or it's trying to replace something. Because we're in raised beds in the greenhouse, we don't get very many. Mm -hmm. So that's a nice plus for us. Uh, we get one or two here. You can just pull but it But they're out. growing all around the outside. Yeah. yeah. So oh, we oh, yeah. trim oh, yeah. those down. So grow well, if you've got a roof and wall, you know, I yeah. mean, the, the, most of these weeds are spread by birds and animals. Right. So yeah. if you've eliminated that, you know, uh, as a routine intruder, I imagine that cuts back on a lot yeah. of this. Yeah. Well, we got a uh, cherry growing in one of our boxes because we have a cherry tree out in the woods somewhere i mean it's off to the side but we one day looked and we took a picture of it on google lens and it said it was sour cherry or something like that sweet cherry mm -hmm. i don't know yeah. 
And then they said it was invasive. And we said, oh, well. So <laughs> on, we keep having to pull out these little cherry trees in there. But we do. And they said they're invasive. And I don't want anything that invasive anywhere around here because we yeah. got a lot. We also can suppress weeds with mulch. So mm -hmm. uh, we use pine shavings, like the kind you would use for horse bedding. Uh, but, those yeah. are really effective, but also leaf mulch is really important. So we have a lot of leaves around here, which is good. And in the fall, we can collect those and dry them out and then shred them up into the boxes. And it really helps with not only the weeds, but the moisture too. And the carbon, yeah. helps the carbon in the soil. Yeah, wonderful. And there's a lot to learn. And so when people want to learn, we're happy to help anything that we know anyway. We're still in the learning stages ourselves and always probably will be. How much education is involved when you sell to a restaurant or to sell the individuals? Um, it's not really that much. Mm -hmm. They all just have to know how to take care of the greens, uh, how to, you know, enough water or, you know, not putting them in place that's too hot, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't get too much into it because especially like with restaurants, they're just busy. They don't have time to, you know, sit down and think about it too much. Anybody at the home deliveries, uh, they just, you know, kind of want to use it in their meals. Uh, they might want to know a little bit more here and there, but I just invite them to reach out to us directly if they have questions. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. If somebody wants to learn more, where do they reach out to you? So I would say on our website with uh, my emails on there or the contact form, you can also message us on Instagram directly or uh, read our blog. So any, any of those ways, my info's on there for reaching out, I, I check often. So as you look at where you've been uh, with marketing growing and your education process, where are you headed? I think we want to be as regenerative as possible in our growing methods. So the more we refine our understanding of you know, how the soil works and then we can pass it on to someone else, I think that's important because the global food industry is, you know, had, came over time and, and people depend a lot on shipping and, and all those sorts of things, but it's really important to get back to your local food sources. And we fortunately live in an area where you can grow a lot of things easily. Oh, so yeah. if we can, especially buttercups small, in my experience, oh, yeah, too, us too. Yeah. yeah and dandelions yeah. Uh, and blackberries, so, those Himalayas. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> we got plenty of those too. So the more local Those aren't native, though. They came from Asia. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, they came from India. I learned that oh. from the noxious weed okay. Oh. Because she said some of these names we have, two of them are kind of a misnomer. And uh. she told me that actually um, Luther Burbank, as you know, you know, was doing a lot of things on the Mercer Island area. He was searching for a blackberry that was thornless. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so he got blackberry seeds from all over the world. And the ones that came from the Himala Himalayas yeah. actually came from India. Mm -hmm. And they were about as far from thornless as you can get. But that's how we ended up with all of those big herbivores. Oh, I know. <laughs> we have been fighting those since we moved here. Oh, yeah. We're trying to figure out what their purpose is. And I go, your purpose is in India. That's what I'll tell them. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, they yes. Was so go that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, even the bird, I mean, the birds and other animals, they, it's, they're, it's rugged for them as well, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, so, but, but that's because it doesn't belong here. <laughs> oh, it doesn't. Thank you for bringing it. Yes, yes. Um, but uh, the, um, the lady, I was telling her, I said, I've lived on my property for several decades. 
And I finally, this year, I, I went, okay, I'm, I'm spraying these damn blackberries. I'm sorry. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> and, she, and she said, oh, that's okay. We, we, you know, sometimes and she said herbicides are so specific and so controlled now and everything. So she gave me her blessings to go ahead and once in 40 years, spray those stupid blackberries. But <laughs> I'm just so tight because I'm, I'm, I'm there in the woods. I mean, I've got yeah. five acres. Am I really going to be able to pull out the blackberries? You know, I mean, <laughs> we, I know we have the same problem. Of course, unfortunately, we're, the, we don't do that, but it, we couldn't even if we wanted to because we're certified organic. Yeah. And so everything around here has to be yeah. approved. Yeah. Well, and, and I started out not spring because I had organic sheep. I raised organic oh, yeah. And so, you know, I, I never got used to doing that. Uh, but boy, I'm doing it this year. I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I get very frustrated. I know. I, I will. I will mitigate my guilt over doing it, knowing yeah. that it's been 40 years and I've used it. This will be the first time I've used it. So and it's I'm giving myself out. a pass. <laughs> yeah. I understand. I really do. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, oh, miserable. Okay. If I wanted to get microgreens from you on a regular basis, what's the procedure? Um, so if it was a home delivery, uh, you'd go on our website and under get microgreens, you'd fill out our form uh, for that, telling us what you're interested in. And, and your website uh, is girlygirlgreens.com? Yes, mm -hmm. that is the one. And then uh, if it was for chefs or restaurants, then they would be uh, asking me by email directly or calling. So either way. We can and so that. if I go to, if I frequent a restaurant and I think that restaurant would improve, by having your microgreens, would I tell them about it? Or do you, you absolutely could. Uh, anywhere in Seattle or Bellevue, definitely fine. Okay, all right, terrific. So again, I wanna get back to down the road. Um, this summer is, you know, we're right in the, the midst of it, even though I'm still wearing my wool jacket today, but yeah. <laughs> my wool shirt. Um, but um, you're growing these in, indoors mm -hmm. so you grow, grow them year-round or is yes. there a difference when the temperature outside is a little cooler no so because we are indoors uh, we actually have a finished not finished but a concrete uh, basement with doors and windows so that allows us to open it up enough for air and light um, to grow them and the temperature isn't nearly as affected down there as it would be outside yeah, so because the basement's mostly underground. Yeah, so it's dedicated to the microgreens and we can just use it, um, like right now with the heat, you, you will notice a little difference, but mm -hmm. it's not that bad because we have fans with airflow. So we do grow year round and actually I've noticed in the cold months, we get a better color on all the red colored greens they, or purple. They always look better in the winter for that. And then uh, it's a little bit different in the summertime, mm -hmm. but nothing major for the fluctuations, no. And what's the turnaround time? If I went and ordered on your website, um, do I have to sign up for a number of orders? Um, do I have to subscribe in other words, or can I do a, a one-shot delivery? Or what if I just wanted to come to your place and pick it up? Do you have facilities for that? So we could arrange a pickup. Uh, we're so far out of the way that a lot of people do not want to come out here <laughs> to pick up greens, but we have worked something out uh, where we can do a small amount of pickups in town with um, Cherry Valley Dairy. They've 
teamed up with us to do that on, on a base, regular basis. So that can be arranged by request only. Uh, but mostly for ordering, if you're going to sign up, we, we can give you a sample flat and it's free and you can try it out and see how much you use. And if, if you really like it or you wanna get something different, maybe you don't like one of the greens, that's fine. Um, we go by a month to month basis for the most part because it's, tends to be the easiest for people and then they can you know try it out and if it's just not working for them they'll just cancel but really most of the time everybody loves it so much and they'll just keep using it um, it's only the four blocks that you get so it's pretty manageable for most households um, but turnaround time depends on what you're getting so if you wanted to get something and maybe i have already a, a lot on order for that particular green you might need to wait two weeks it really depends, but we're happy to talk and, and to work with people and answer their questions and let them try it out first. So what are the different ways people can use greens? I mean, obviously salads, obviously, instead of a lettuce leaf on a sandwich or something, uh, but what are some other creative ways? Oh man, we don't have our recipes yet, uh, but um, we're thinking about it. You can use them on fish, salmon, for instance, um, as a garnish, but it looks beautiful green over the you know, the salmon or on white fish too. And people use those a lot for fish and stuff like that. But you can put them on eggs, um, on egg salad. I mean, we do it all the time. And and you're not putting like a whole bunch on top. So it's you're like, not overwhelming the flavor. Right. And so you can do anything. I've done, I've posted some pictures of what we've done with microgreens but they're old. I don't think they're on there anymore. The possibilities are kind of endless. Yeah. It just depends on what you like. Some people use them on sandwiches, uh, especially like with sourdough. They're really good, yeah. um, but you can also use them as an ingredient. They're not just a garnish. So sometimes- I've made soups with them. Yes, yep. anything like that. Smoothies, you name it, pretty much anything you can do with it. And actually we're going getting ready to release some videos soon about uh, ways you can use microgreens in recipes with my nephew who was trained in culinary arts. He wants to put it together with yeah, us so wonderful. we can practically show people like, here's something you can do. Yeah. Well, let's talk again about how people can contact you. Okay. Okay. So mostly uh, it would be by email would be the easiest, uh, Bronte at girlygirlgreens.com. That's listed on my website. Uh, there's a contact form on the website too, or direct message on Instagram. And I'm on your website right now, and it's pictures of uh, of you and uh, you two. Uh, I'm assuming one other sister. Yes, that would be Elise, who started the whole company. So there's a contact us button at the top of uh, every page. So it's be right there. And down at the bottom of the page too is listed with uh, an email and a phone number. Okay, great, great. And um, people can just contact you via the website. If you go to a restaurant and you think that their food would be improved, then you can tell the restaurateur or the chef about really rural greens and let them take it from there. Did I miss asking any question that you think you wanted to share? No, I don't think no. so. I mean, Sounds pretty complete. Yeah, good, good. Well, if you want my recipe for the soup, just give me a call anytime. Oh, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> and I wish you great luck with your endeavor. I can't wait to try some of your, your products. And uh, 
thank you for coming to Valley Talk and talking about your business and microgreens. And thank Thank you for listening to Valley 104.9 FM. (laughs) 